Hey, and thanks for joining us for Parkview Online. I'm Dan, one of the pastors here. Over the next hour or so, our goal is to help you take a next step toward God. Wherever you happen to be on your faith journey, we believe that you have a step to take, and we want to help you discover what that is. In just a moment, we're going to join our broadcast campus where the band will lead us in some music and we'll hear a message based on the Bible that we can all apply to our lives. During the service, you're probably going to end up hearing a reference to the next steps area in a lobby or something specific to an experience that's happening at one of our physical campuses. But what we want you to know is that you can take very similar next steps online. And if there's ever a time when you want to learn more about how to do that, just shoot me an email at online at parkviewchurch.com. We'd love to help you figure out which next step is the right one for you. There are a couple of other quick things that we want you to know. First, if you're watching with a group of people and we can help you in any way, we'd love to. That means different things for different groups, but we'd love to have the conversation with you. And then second, if you're watching and you'd like to get connected to some people in your area, or you'd like some information about connecting to one of our physical campuses in the Chicagoland area, again, just reach out via email. The address is online at parkviewchurch.com. Ultimately, today, we want our time together to encourage you. We want you to get some practical insight from the Bible, and we want to help you take your next step with God and with other people. We're really glad you're here. Enjoy the service. Welcome, everybody. I know, I know you're like, dude, I thought you would be running the Chicago Marathon today. I can't believe you're here. I just want to tell you that, you know, I was going to, but I really wanted to preach to you guys today. So I decided to give it up today and this year and every year before that and every year after from now on until eternity. It will never, ever happen. I'm doing What Made Jesus Mad, and it's part two. And as I was looking at that thing up there, uh, this is a book I wrote a couple of years ago. I'd really encourage you to go back if you haven't heard the sermons from part one two years ago. I think it was June or something of uh, 19. And, um, you know, and, and kind of catch everything that, that's been going on in here. And, and the whole idea of what made Jesus mad is blocking access to the kingdom of heaven, if you want to know right up front, okay? Okay, so welcome to you at New Lenox, welcome to you at Homer Glen, welcome if you're outside, wherever you are watching us online, we're, we're really glad to have you with us. We're going to talk about hypocrisy today, okay? The light turned yellow, so the guy did the right thing and stopped. Obviously, this wasn't Chicago, this story, okay? Um, he could have beaten the light, but he didn't do it. The lady behind him was in a, in a hurry, and she was following so close that she barely got stopped behind him because she assumed he was going to go on through the light. And she barely got stopped behind him, and it threw her makeup that she was applying while she was driving and her cell phone into the floorboard, and she was mad. And she laid on the horn and started screaming at him in frustration. And while she was mid-rant, she heard a tap on her window, and a very serious look on a police officer's face. And the officer ordered her to come out of the car with her hands up. 
He took her to the police station where she was searched, fingerprinted, photographed, and placed in a holding cell for several hours. After a couple of hours, the policeman came back. She was escorted to the booking desk where the arresting officer was waiting with her personal effects and an apology. He said, I'm very sorry for this mistake. You see, I pulled up behind your car while you were blowing the horn, flipping the guy off in front of you and cussing up a blue streak. And it was then that I noticed the what would Jesus do bumper sticker, the choose life license plate holder, and the chrome fish on the back of your car. So naturally, I assumed you'd stolen the car. Let's talk hypocrisy today. It's what made Jesus mad. And I need to get this out there right up front. I am a hypocrite. I don't really run marathons. That's like the farthest thing I would ever want to do in my life. I'd rather have a root canal, okay? I'm a hypocrite. I just need to get that out there in in a lot of things. Because if I preach about hypocrites and I don't admit that I'm also a hypocrite, then what does that make me? A hypocrite, right? I mean, and that was probably one of the things about writing this book that was really, that impacted me the most, okay? When I stopped judging, and and, you know, if you don't know the life of Jesus, Jesus was mad almost always at the religious leaders of his day. And, and, And so as I was writing this, God started kind of doing a work in me going, yeah, okay, he was mad at religious leaders, but dude, you're a religious leader. And A lot of these same attitudes that Jesus was mad at them about, he could also very easily be mad at you about. And and I would say, well, sure, you, you know, yeah, but I didn't actually kill Jesus. They did. But then again, yes, I did, because he died for my sins. So I'm Tim Harlow, and I'm a hypocrite. Let's all just get started AA way. Here we go, okay? Say your name and I'm a hypocrite. Here you go, one, two, three. I'm Tim Harlow and I'm a hypocrite. Some of you said Tim Harlow, that's not funny. (laughs) I see story after story of church leaders doing disappointingly dumb and sinful stuff. And I believe that the thing that leads to the downfall in every one of those cases is that at some point they start to believe that their stuff doesn't stink. Are you with me? I mean, at some point they start to, they start to believe that they really aren't that bad, okay? And my stuff stinks, okay? So I don't have a fish on the back of my car because nobody's going to be saved because of my all-state good driving habits. I'm just telling you right now. So let's just be real today, okay? Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, exclamation point. You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. I mean, if you think about it, the Pharisees and hypocrisy is woven together so much that the term has actually become synonymous. We call somebody pharisaical. Have you ever heard that term? They're so pharisaical. What does that mean? They're a hypocrite, and it made Jesus mad. Somebody sent me this. I thought it was great. Um, Is Jesus fighting people? Jesus, 6 o'clock, parking lot. (laughs) Meet you there. I think at some times Jesus actually did want to do that. You know, I think he really did want to throw down on them. What made Jesus mad? Denied access to the Father. Here's our scripture. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. 
So these attitudes of judgmentalism and legalism and indifference to need and hypocrisy are the ones over and over again that we see are the reason why people were not coming to the kingdom. And it made Jesus mad. And so if you read the chapter in the book, I, I, I talk about this, and we're going to cover this song. I'm, I'm a John Mayer fan, not of his life, but of his music. And one of his early compositions is probably one of my all-time favorite songs. It might be one of my like top five all-time favorite songs. It's a beautifully written breakup song called Comfortable. And he has this new girl, but he misses the old one with which he feels comfortable. And according to Mayer, jumping from one relationship to another isn't as great as it seems. And there's something to be said for the comfort of the long term. So to most listeners, this is just another sad life story, right? But the reason the song is important to me is the description of the new girl, okay? This is the new girl. She says the Bible is all that she reads, prefers that I not use profanity. Okay, well, great, right? I mean, in the song, his friends think she's great. They throw him high fives because she's quite a catch. Evidently, she's beautiful and all of that, right? But he's not so sure because he misses the old comfortable relationship he had with the girl in the gray sweatpants, and he wishes that they were still together. And what's worse, there's something about this new girl that just bothers him. He can't get it out of his mind. She thinks I can't see the smile that she's faking poses for pictures that aren't being taken. I've heard it a thousand times, but it's a different kind of breakup song to me. I don't really care about John and the former love and whatever went wrong last September. My heart breaks for the new girl and her entire existence. So for copyright reasons, instead of playing you John's versions, John's version, I'm going to play you uh, our own that we did. Here you go. This is Devin. I just remembered that time at the market Snuck up behind me and jumped on my shopping cart And rolled down aisle five You look behind you to smile back at me Crashed into a rack full of magazines I sleep with this new girl, I'm still getting 
It's killer, isn't it? Great job to my team and Devin. Way to go, you guys. Wow, that was amazing. Posing for pictures that aren't being taken. It must be exhausting. The relationship notwithstanding, her entire life, new girl's entire life, must be uncomfortable because hypocrisy is uncomfortable. And every time I hear that song, I wish the breakup part of the song could be this girl and her poser persona. You know what I'm saying? 
I mean, don't get me wrong. I read the Bible a lot, and my wife also prefers that I not use profanity, okay, in case you're wondering. I just can't imagine what it's like to live your life as a picture-posing smile faker, even in the presence of the partner that you share your life with. And then again, maybe I can't. I mean, can't we all? Best, the best one. Cowboy at a bar in New Mexico orders three beers, sits down at his table, starts drinking a sip out of each one of them. When he finishes, he goes to the bar and orders three more. Bartender says, you know, it, it starts to go flat as soon as I draw it out. Why don't you get them one at a time? And he said, well, you see, it's like this. I got these two brothers, one's in Flagstaff and one's in Albuquerque. And when we decided that when we went to the bar and drank, we would, you know, we would drink one for each one of us. So I drink one for each of my brothers. And the bartender says, that's really cool. And he becomes a regular at, at the bar. You know, he comes in, he does his three mug thing until one day he comes in and orders two beers. And everybody's like, oh, you know, did one of his brothers die? And he comes back to the bar for a second round. And the bartender says, hey, we don't want to intrude on your grief, but we want to offer our condolences on your life, on your, on your, on your loss. And the cowboy looked puzzled for a minute. And, he, and then the light dawns on him. He says, oh, no, no, my brothers are fine. It's just that my wife and I joined the Baptist church, and I had to quit drinking. <laughs> Hadn't bothered my brothers, though. <laughs> Listen to how Jesus feels about all of this. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, exclamation point. You clean the outside of the cup, okay? We already did the tomb. Now we're on the cup and the dish. But inside, they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will also be clean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Jesus wasn't, he wasn't just uncomfortable with hypocrisy. It made him angry. And what's so difficult about this issue, and the reason that I feel so sorry for John's new girlfriend, is that I'm 100% convinced that she didn't choose this life. Nobody chooses a hypocritical life on purpose. The nature of our sin always leads us to hide. When Adam and Eve brought sin into the world, the first thing they did was hide. They heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You, you see, the deal here is hypocrisy is about hiding. It's always about hiding. And sometimes we're hiding from God, and sometimes we're hiding from other people, and sometimes we're hiding from ourselves. Now, here's the enormous irony of the John Mayer song, because I don't know if you caught it or not in there, but in the opening description of his new girlfriend, he says, I sleep with this new girl I'm still getting used to, okay? So let me help you with this, okay? There's no, read, no way to read the Bible for very long and not understand that sex is supposed to be reserved for marriage. If that sounds old-fashioned to you or even surprising to you, I understand that. It just means that the Bible probably isn't the only thing you read, like the girlfriend claims. It's true, that's what the Bible says about sex, and for so many reasons, I can't even go down that rabbit trail. Even non-Christian sociologists will tell you the damage of the culture of hooking up, okay? But that's not the point. Let me assure you that if New Girl has a religious perspective of Bible good, cussing bad, right? She knows that sleeping 
with John outside of marriage is not in God's plan. Because I can tell you this, there's a lot more in the Bible about sexual purity than there is about how much we should read the Bible or what profanity even is. What I'm saying is that there is no possible scenario where she could be less morally comfortable about John saying a word that denotes the sex act than she is actually doing the word with him. Are you following me? Okay. Unless it's about those pictures they might be taking. Anyone dating a rock star knows there's going to be people taking pictures. And they might take pictures of her not reading the Bible. They might actually hear her boyfriend using inappropriate language. They can't really know what she's doing behind closed doors. What I'm saying is that her problem is not her inner conviction of morality. Her problem is the paparazzi. How do we appear to the camera? And Christians, this is a really hard thing for us to figure out. Bob Goff did a great description. We're told by someone what God wants us to do and not do, and we're told we shouldn't drink or cuss or watch certain movies, and we're told we should want to have a quiet time in the morning and talk to strangers about relationships with God, and we're told we should want to go on mission trips and witness to people, and sometimes we do it even if we don't really know what the words really even mean, but often just for a while, and after long enough, what looks like faith isn't really faith anymore, it's just compliance. And the problem with mere compliance is that it turns us into actors. That's what hypocrisy is. Rather than making decisions for ourselves, we read the lines off the script that someone we were told to respect handed to us, and we sacrifice our ability to decide for ourselves. And and I would add to that, we sacrifice our ability to be real. And here's the deal. Jesus was never angry at sinners. You know, I think a lot of people when they, when they first got, you know, looked at the cover of my book are like, oh, Jesus is mad about abortion or, you know, what? No, no, he was never mad about sinners. He never yelled at the tax collectors or the prostitutes. Matter of fact, he liked them more than he did the religious people. He talked about sin. He told them to go and sin no more. But what Jesus really seemed to want from all of us was for us to just be real. Just be real, because you can't get better until you're real. Just gray sweatpants, no makeup, so perfect, okay? And holy cow, John Mayer had no idea what it was going to be like now in our social media culture back when he wrote this song. And Jesus hadn't, you know, I mean, I'm sure maybe he did know what, what was coming our way, but if the Pharisees were hypocritical, what if they had an Instagram account? And listen, I'm not... I'm not condoning the sin, okay? Please hear me. Sin is bad. Never been a time in my life when I've regretted the sanitization of the cup, okay? There's never been a time when I I wasn't glad I cleaned the inside and the outside of the cup, right? Pasteur discovered germs 150 years ago, and we've all figured that out, and especially with what's going on these days. And let me remind you that I'm a pastor, which means that I walk with people through the experience of contaminated living. And when I look at the collateral damage that sin causes in marriages and families and individual lives, I would never take a callous look at a life full of dead men's bones. However, there is something worse than your sin. 
And it's hypocrisy about your sin. The definition of hypocrisy came from the theater. It literally means to wear a mask. How ironic is that? (laughs) We won't even go there. When people tell me that the church is full of hypocrites, I just say, yes, they are. Come on and join us. The church has always been full of hypocrites because the church is full of people. And all people are hypocrites to some degree. And unfortunately, the church people hypocrisy argument is terribly legitimate to some of you personally. Because you have been hurt or abused by a mask-wearing member or leader of the church. And I wish it wasn't such a common story. And that's why Jesus was mad at the Pharisees, you hypocrites, about it. Because it actually blocked access to the kingdom. And if that's your story, please accept an apology on behalf of the church for allowing it to happen. I don't understand why God didn't stop it from happening either, but I know he didn't cause it, and we should have stopped it. And here's the big problem with hypocrisy. The reason Jesus was angry was because of what it did. Remember? Shutting the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. That's what it was all about. So in other words, it was one thing to be a hypocrite. It's another thing for me to be a hypocrite. Because I'm standing on stage supposedly speaking for God. And if I'm a hypocrite, I'm a magnet that's that's changing the the compass needle and, and deflecting it off of true north onto something else. And if you do that, you follow the compass the wrong way, what's going to happen? You're going to be lost. You're going to be blind, as it were. That's what Jesus said. So those in leadership in any realm have the responsibility and the privilege to lead people who follow them towards a desired destination. But we have to decide if it's a hypocritical destination that's the wrong one or if it's the right one that's trying to lead you to Jesus. And faking it is the first way to get you off track. And when Jesus came, the followers were so lost, mostly because the church leaders had, had filled them with their hypocrisy. And it made Jesus angry, okay? And it made Jesus angry so much, that, it, and Jesus talked about it so much. This is so funny. At one point, Jesus has gone off on the Pharisees and the, and the teachers of the law again and called them hypocrites. And the disciples confront Jesus. And they say, um, Gee, dude, did you know the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? And Jesus replied, don't care. Every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, they will both fall into a pit. This is where we get the phrase, right? Like the blind leading the blind. That's why Jesus is so angry. He's so angry that the disciples are like, Jesus, maybe you ought to back off, you know? They're like a little bit embarrassed about this whole thing. And the funny thing is, the guys that are doing this are James and John, nicknamed the Sons of Thunder. They're the guys a couple of weeks ago that said, Jesus, let's call down fire from heaven and and smite the, the, the Samaritans, right? It's the same guys, and they're like, whoa, maybe you ought to back off here just a little bit, Jesus, So when the sons of thunder think you're angry, you must be really angry. And to Jesus, this is not a time to mince words because people are literally falling into pits. And if the church leaders want to go fall into a pit, that's fine. But don't follow them. Then again, let's get personal. There's something worse than your sin. It's hypocrisy about your sin. The reason hypocrisy is bad for all of us is because you'll never get honest with yourself. The problem with the mask 
is that over time, it becomes impossible not to believe your own press and your own acting because you get better and better at it, don't you? And you start to adapt to the character in your drama, which is exactly what happened to the Pharisees. They sincerely believed that following the rules was good enough, no matter what was going on in their hearts. This is why Alcoholics Anonymous, a long time ago, figured out that if you're going to get better, you start by saying, hi, I'm Tim, and I'm an alcoholic. They have a phrase that's so important. You are only as sick as your secrets. And I'm just, I'm just telling you guys, if, you want to get, if we want to get better, we, the secrets have to come out, at least to ourselves, and better yet, to some other people. Because if you're not honest with yourself, you are stuck right where you are. When it comes to you, your father is not interested in how you look. You look marvelous, darling. No, he doesn't care. He wants what's best for you. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And you know what he sees in your heart and my heart? A bunch of dirty, dead junk inside of there. And he has zero interest in how you look on the outside. What he desires is to make you clean. And what he knows is that you can never get all that stuff out of there by yourself. That's why he wants to help us. And the longer you wear the mask, the harder it is to see the reality. And the longer you have to wait to allow him to cleanse you. I bought a mirror one time and it just, you know, it just didn't look right. And it hung on the wall, it just didn't look right. And my image was there, but it wasn't quite clear. And I happened to see a little sticker at the bottom of it that said, remove the plastic coating. <laughs> you know how good they are with that stuff these days? I mean, you know, you buy a new thing and you're like, is there something there? You don't want to scratch it. And like, sometimes that film they put on is so good that you hardly even notice. So I got the plastic coating and, it, and, I, and the mirror showed me exactly what I looked like. And some mornings, I wish I would have just left it there. But the point is that hypocrisy is like the protective coating over the mirror of your life. It protects others from seeing the real you, and unfortunately, it protects you from seeing the real you. And if you can't see yourself, you will never fix yourself. Think about how different your family would have been if your dad just would have been honest with himself. Or your mom would have just been honest with herself. But instead they hid and they made excuses and they wouldn't take responsibility and they didn't get help. Maybe you've even been a part of an intervention. I have where you, a bunch of you got together and confronted a loved one with their own you know, honesty that they didn't want to have. I can tell you that having a group of friends and family have to peel the protective coating off of you is seriously not fun for anyone. But this is the problem. Hypocrisy leads to the pit. And the pit is bad. And if you can't take off your coating, according to Jesus, you will be blinded and you will keep falling into the pit over and over again. And what's worse is you will lead other people the same way. Portia Nelson wrote a poem about the pit in five acts. She said, I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. 
It takes forever to find a way out. I walk, act two, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes me a long time to get out. Act three, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it is there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It's my fault. I get out immediately. Act four, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I I walk around it. Act five, I walk down another street. I want to pray for us, and I'm going to lead us into communion at all of our campuses today because I believe that maybe every one of us needs to just take a moment. And, and, and yeah, Jesus was mad at the Pharisees for what they were doing to stop the way and block the way for everybody else. But parents, man, I got to tell you, you know how important this is. Your kids need to know that you're real. And all of us, you know how important this is. Everybody around you needs to know that you're real. But as we prepare for communion, and if you haven't done communion, um, there's a cup right there that you got hopefully on your way in. There's two layers on top. Peel the little one off and the, and the bread is there and peel the next one off and the, and the cup is there with the juice in it. And, and I'm just going to pray for us right now and, and pray a prayer of healing over us for those who've been hurt. And then we'll take just a moment of self-reflection and maybe uh, peel the plastic coating off of our life, and then your campus pastor will come out and lead you as we take communion, all right? Father God, I want to pray right now for those who have been hurt by hypocrisy in the church. I, I mean, there's no way any of us that have been in the church haven't seen it, but for some of us, for some of them, it was drastic. It was someone claiming to, to, to represent God and they were a blind guide and maybe they abused them, maybe they hurt them. Maybe it was family that put on one mask when they went out in public and had a completely different look when they were at home. Lord, I know this is a deep subject, as deep as the pit. And I pray that you'll be with us and help us to forgive those who trespassed against us because you have to also forgive our trespasses. And we do the same thing. Lord, I just, I think, I think we do a pretty good job at this church of being real and telling everybody to come as you are and being very honest about that. And I think that's probably what attracts people to us. And I pray that it will continue. That those people that say, oh, the roof's gonna cave in if I show up, will we'll, we'll finally someday find us online. They will, they will walk into a building and they will look around and they'll see a bunch of other people who are in the same boat. No masks, no hiding just sinners who needed saving. And Lord, for us, don't leave us there. As we're honest with ourselves, as we start to understand and admit that maybe we've been looking through the plastic coating at our own cells, help us to peel it off. 
maybe during this moment of self-reflection right now as we get ready for communion. Help us to never forget that you died for our sins so that we can be saved from our sins, but that you also left the Holy Spirit for us to help us to clean the germs and the dead man bones out of our lives so that we can live free in you. But that can't ever happen unless we're honest with you and with ourselves. So be with us right now. And thank you for your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray.